the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to Vatican Insider on this final weekend of August, and what a weekend it promises to be in Rome. Now, my guest this week in the interview segment is Monsignor Tom Powers, the new rector of the Pontifical North American College and a wonderful friend of many years. In part one of our talk, he tells how he was invited to be rector, looks back a bit at his own years in Rome as a seminarian under two rectors, now cardinals, Edwin O'Brien and Timothy Dolan, and he explains exactly what the duties of a rector are. The new seminarians had just arrived, and Monsignor Tom spoke about how they all met and exchanged inspirational vocation stories. Among his powerful remarks were his words on answering the call this past spring to become the rector, saying, My priesthood has always been one of saying yes to the Church. And now to the top stories of the past week in the Vatican. Actually, some of the top stories are taking place this very weekend as you listen to Vatican Insider, also on Monday and Tuesday, August 29th and 30th. Four days of big events, perhaps even historic ones. Saturday, August 27th at 4 p.m., Pope Francis creates 20 new cardinals in a public consistory. Sunday, the pontiff will fly to L'Aguila in Italy's central Abruzzo region, and Monday and Tuesday he will meet in Rome behind closed doors with the entire College of Cardinals, whom he has called to Rome to discuss his document on the reform of the Roman Curia, Predicate Evangelium. On Tuesday, August 30th, Francis will celebrate Mass with the entire College of Cardinals, including the new ones. Now, the August 28th visit to L'Aguila, a town devastated by a massive earthquake in 2009, is for the annual Celebration of Forgiveness. This celebration was established by Pope Celestine in 1294 with a papal bull, the Bull of Forgiveness, that grants a plenary indulgence to anyone who, having gone to confession and communion and visited the Basilica of Santa Maria di Colle Maggio, from Vespers of August 28th to those of the 29th. Celestine also issued an edict allowing popes to retire, which he promptly did after the edict was published. Celestine is buried there in the Basilica of Santa Maria de Colle Maggio, where the Pope will say Mass. Now, back to events of the past week. Sunday, August 21st, at the Angelus, Pope Francis, after reflecting on the day's Gospel, said he was following closely with concern and sorrow the situation in Nicaragua, which involves both people and institutions. I would like to express my conviction and my hope that through open and sincere dialogue, the basis for a respectful and peaceful coexistence can still be found. In Nicaragua, in fact, the Church, priests and bishops, the media and Catholic NGOs have been caught up in a series of harassing and persecutory actions suspected of supporting the opponents of Daniel Ortega's Sandinista government. Also in Post Angelus remarks, for the 13th time since June 5th, the Pope recalled the immense suffering Ukraine is bearing, saying, Let us persevere in our closeness and in prayer for the dear Ukrainian people who are experiencing immense cruelty. Tuesday, August 23rd, 
In a rescript, Pope Francis ordered that the Institute for the Works of Religion, IOR, commonly known as the Vatican Bank, will have exclusive competence over asset management and will oversee the management of all movable assets of the Holy See and its related institutions. This is a reversal of what was written in Predicata Evangelium, the Constitution on the Reform of the Roman Curia, where assets were to have been under the responsibility of ABSA, the Administration for the Patrimony of the Apostolic See. Francis stipulated that the rescript, quote, shall have the nature of an authentic interpretation of the provisions in force and shall have firm and stable force, notwithstanding anything to the contrary, even if it precedes the rescript or specifically refers to special issues. Also Tuesday, as the 72nd National Liturgical Week opened in Salerno, Italy, Pope Francis, in a message, expressed his hopes that the meeting will allow for a fruitful deepening in appreciation of the ecclesial ministries in the Church in a perspective of ever greater service. Wednesday, August 24th, Pope Francis concluded his general audience catechesis on old age with a reflection on Mary's assumption into heaven. In this, his 18th lesson on old age, Francis said Our Lady's assumption body and soul into heaven is intimately bound to the resurrection of Jesus her Son and to its promise of our own bodily resurrection at the end of time. Our Lord describes the life of the resurrection with images of joy and fulfillment as we, said the Pope, and our world will be reborn and the seeds we have sown on earth will bear eternal fruit. The season of life, which we call old age, is thus a privileged time to grow in the wisdom born of faith and to look forward with joy to the fulfillment of our hope in the glory of heaven in communion with Our Lady and all the saints. Later at the audience in an appeal, Francis renewed his invitation to implore peace from the Lord for the beloved Ukrainian people who, he said, for six months today have been suffering the horror of war. I hope that concrete steps will be taken to put an end to the war and to avert the risk of a nuclear disaster in Saforizia. I carry the prisoners in my heart, especially those in fragile conditions, and I ask the competent authorities to work for their release. I think of the children, said the Pope passionately, so many dead, so many refugees, here in Italy there are many, so many wounded so many Ukrainian children and Russian children who have become orphans. Francis said war is madness. Also Wednesday, on the occasion of the 50th anniversary of Pope St. Paul VI Motu Proprio, Ministeria Quedam, Pope Francis released a message expressing his desire to begin a dialogue with bishops' conferences around the world. He reflected on the apostolic letter's impact on instituted and extraordinary ministries and expressed his desire to open a dialogue with bishops' conferences to continue along the path set out 50 years ago. Thursday, August 25th, the Holy Father met with members of the International Catholic Legislators Network and he urged them to work for a more just, fraternal, and peaceful world through legislative processes that promote the good of all and address situations of inequality in society. Also Thursday, 
Francis met with participants in the General Assembly of the World Conference of Secular Institutes, and he encouraged them to never tire of showing God's closeness and tenderness through daily acts of love. Friday, August 26. Now, this was a very busy day, as the Pope had quite a number of individual private audiences, as well as meetings with four different groups, including members of the General Chapter of the Kenosian Daughters of Charity, a pilgrimage group from the Italian Diocese of Lodi, and a pilgrimage of altar servers from France. He also met with members of the Pedro Maria Guimares de Mello family, including about 20 children, many toddlers or under. The Mello family is a Christian family of entrepreneurs with over 100 years of history dedicated to social responsibility with very strong bonds with the Portuguese Catholic University. The family of 12 siblings employs over a 1,000 people as they work to develop their businesses and their collaborators for a better world. Well, lots of news these days, but now stay tuned for a Q&A and my conversation with Monsignor Tom Powers, rector of the Pontifical North American College. Welcome to this week's Q&A, and it's all about the Celestine Pardon. A number of you have written to ask what the Celestine pardon is, as that's the reason the Vatican gave when it announced on June 4th that Pope Francis would visit L'Aquila on Sunday, August 28, 2022, to say Mass and inaugurate the Celestine pardon. I had to do some research myself to learn about this, and I was fascinated to discover that, among other things, the Celestine Pardon was inscribed in 2019 on the representative list of the Intangible Cultural Heritage of Humanity of UNESCO, the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. The UNESCO site says, quote, The Celestinian Forgiveness Celebration was inspired by Pope Celestine V, who issued an historical bull as an act of partnership among local populations. Taking place in the city and province of L'Aguila, the tradition comprises a set of rituals and celebrations transmitted uninterruptedly since 1294. The practice conveys a sense of continuity and cultural identity for the whole community, end quote. In its June announcement, the Vatican said, quote, Pope Francis will make a pastoral visit to L'Aguila on August 28th for the annual Celebration of Forgiveness held in the city in this central Italian region of Abruzzo. This celebration was established by Pope Celestine in 1294 with his papal bull of forgiveness that grants a plenary indulgence to anyone who confessed and communicated and visited the Basilica of Santa Maria di Cole Maggio from the Vespers of August 28th to those of August 29th, end quote. 2022 marks the 728th year of this celebration of pardon. Many who have studied this historical and religious feast over the centuries have described it as a forerunner of the Jubilee year 1300 declared by Pope Boniface VIII, Celestine's successor. The celebration of forgiveness is preceded by a two-week procession that goes through 23 villages along an 80-kilometer or 50-mile itinerary that ends on August 23rd in L'Aguila, where the feast then begins with a series of cultural events and reenactments. A fascinating story, right? 
EWTN, teaching the truth. I did not grow up religious. This morning, as I was chaotically driving around looking for a COVID testing site, I actually saw your radio station on somebody's car in front Mm. of me. Something told me to listen up, and and so I switched up to the station and just started listening. And now here I am (laughs) on the phone talking to you guys. EWTN has its own official YouTube channel with tens of thousands of videos covering just about every conceivable topic of interest to Catholics. And best of all, it's free. Every day, EWTN adds new TV shows, live events, devotionals, homilies, and specials to its YouTube channel. Visit the EWTN YouTube channel today. EWTN, the global Catholic network. Hi, this is Trent Horn from Catholic Answers, and a lot of people ask me, how do you pray? I like the ACTS formula, A-C-T-S. First, we adore God, realize He's God, we are not. We're contrite, we ask Him to forgive us of our sins. We're thankful, we thank Him for the blessings and trials He's given us. And then we make supplications and ask Him for help in our own lives, doing all of this so we can grow closer to Him and spend eternity with Him. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. I want to welcome my listeners to a really terrific edition of Vatican Insider because my interview this weekend is a friend of many years standing in Rome, and he's the new rector of the North American College, our seminary in Rome, and that's Monsignor Tom Powers. So we're going to talk a little bit about his life in Rome prior to being in the U.S. as a pastor and other work. Then coming back here, he's been here about almost two months as we as we speak today, and it's a time of the year when the new seminarians arrive at NAC, so we're going to talk about that in a minute, too. But anyway, Monsignor, welcome to Vatican Insider. Thank you, Joan. Great to be with you again, and great to see you again after many years. It's been a lot of years, and we'll have to work on another dinner party, and Absolutely. I'll have to give you some of my homemade limoncello, and, which I've done in the past, you know. Now, of course, you were named this spring to this position, and then you took it up actually in Rome on on July 1st. Now, let's share a little bit of your background before you're returning to Rome, because this is not your first time. I think it's your third time. My third time being sent to Rome. Yeah. Yes, yes. So I was first sent to Rome as a seminarian, of course, and I spent five years here at the North American College. Uh, My rectors were Cardinal uh, O'Brien for one year, then Cardinal Dolan for four years. Great experience. I look back fondly on my years here at the college. And then in 2005, I was uh, asked to come back to serve in the Congregation for Bishops. And I lived here at the seminary for about seven and a half, seven years of that 10 years uh, at the college, serving as an adjunct spiritual director. So I've lived in this building many, many years of my life, uh, which is helpful as I take on this new role. It's a wonderful building. It's a wonderful place, uh, a very happy place and, and, and a great wonderful place to live. So I'm grateful to be back. I'm grateful that I know this uh, building very well, and uh, it's a very exciting time for me. But where we're sitting is new, because uh, there was a several-year building project, new classrooms and 
areas where one practices saying mass, so to speak. That's right. That's uh, right. All the different classes, your your office and other offices. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I got to say, that coming back now after seven years, I was I went back in 2015 after serving 10 years in the congregation. Uh, the North American College, the building, the grounds are in tip-top shape. It really looks beautiful. The grounds are beautiful, as you saw when you came in. Yeah. Uh, we have a new building that was put up in 2015. Towers, as you said, are used for classrooms. They're used for pastoral formation sessions, which are, are Thursday night sessions teaching the young men how to serve as a priest in the United States in parishes. Uh, we have practice chapels. We have an actual chapel with the Blessed Sacrament where guys can pray. And, of yeah. course, at the bottom floor is uh, my office and uh, the new offices for evaluations and for our administrative staff. So that's new. Um, we also have a new gymnasium that was put in, and, um, and, and, and it's just a really a wonderful, wonderful plant. Well, I have to say that I was at the groundbreaking, and I was at the inauguration of the building when uh, Cardinal Parolin was here. So, why am I not surprised? I, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, if it has to do with the North Americans, exactly. I'm going to be there. You know, exactly. So, um, those are some of the changes, obviously, in these years. Uh, the the new buildings, the ample space, because there's quite a number of young men that that study here. What did you say it is now this year? We have 117 men in formation this year. From 50? 56 dioceses represented in the United States wow. and, of course, Sydney, Australia. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a, from California to New York and, of course, Australia, so we have the whole country represented, more or less. Yeah. No, it's very exciting times. And, and one of the things, of course, about your coming back is that it's only been this year, really, that NAC and a million other institutions kind of reopened after covid I mean, 2020 was a lockdown for everybody, everywhere, schools, you know, churches weren't locked, but you, you couldn't have liturgy for months and stuff. And then 2021, things were kind of coming back. People were still looking at wearing masks. But I mean, wow, the end of 2021, we had um, the December 8th festivities this year resumed. That's oh, right. Thanksgiving That's last right. fall That's right. and December 8th. And then finally, after several years, the rector's dinner. So um, to, yes, for my, you to come back and not have to struggle with COVID is oh, a nice Oh, it's a great thing. gift, great gift. My understanding is this is the first year in really two years at least where uh, it went back to normal in a sense. Uh, of course, as you said, they had lived through COVID. Some of the seminarians went home back to their dioceses. Oh, sure. They were Zooming, I believe, to have classes at the universities here in Rome. <clears> so <throat> it was a... Uh, not just here, as you said, around the world, very disruptive. Oh, yeah. So now we are back to normal, and it's it's really, again, I did not live through that here, but I hear the stories, yeah. and we are so grateful to be back, to be able to, uh, just to visit St. Peter's. We went this morning, had oh, Mass yeah. at St. Peter's tomb, and no oh. drama, you just go in, and we have the Mass, and we're all there in the pews. So again, I'm grateful that I did not have to go through that. Yes. Well, I remember, you know, you're reading about only COVID for 12 months of, mm. of, of a year, I think. And but Americans would feel so badly about this, that, and the other thing. And I said, wait, you had did not live through COVID in Italy because we were That's decimated, right. the That's northern right. part of Italy. That's right. And, I mean, we had to go out with a document, a government document, on 8 by 11 paper. I've yes. Heard. The top part had your name and address and email and phone. And then you were allowed to only go to four places. You had to have a mask. You had to have vinyl gloves on. And um, the vinyl gloves was okay, it was winter, but um, you had, if you didn't have that paper on you and some police stopped you and you were not going to the grocery store, pharmacy, bank, or doctor, 
um, you were in trouble. That's right. I heard that. So yes. it yes. was really, really tough severe. time. Tough time. And I, and I did hear also that here at the college, and not just here, but again other institutions and around uh, Italy, there was great resiliency and great spirit, and people were were charitable to yeah. each other and positive, and made the best of it, made the most of it, and helped each other, which is really beautiful, right? When, when hard times come, oh yeah, charity arises, and people it brings out the best in people. Well, it's probably like your mother told you and mine told me, this too will pass. That's right. <laughs> yes, thank God it has. <laughs> Which we're trying to make pass with the heat now that we're, that we're undergoing. Yes. But um, let me go back for a minute to your being named a rector. How did you find that out and, you know, your reaction? Yes, I got a phone call on March 21st, I believe it was, uh, by Bishop Dealey, who's the head of the chairman sure. of the Board of Governors for the North American College. And uh, he uh, had said that the, uh, the board was asking me and the Congregation for Clergy was asking me to, uh, to take on this role. So, of course, I, as, as when you ask big things, you pray about it and think about it. And he was great, gracious enough to give me some time to pray and sure. think. And I spoke to my mom and dad and, 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 uh, and spiritual director, and, and I really had no reason to say no. I've never said no to the church before, yeah. like whatever she's asked of me. And uh, so my priesthood, thankfully, has been one of saying yes. And this is, as I've said before in other, other uh, venues, uh, this is the biggest yes of my life. And, sure. um, and it was a, a full yes, and I, it is a still a full yes. And so I'm diving in 100% and doing the best I can and uh, trying to get up to speed. It's a big learning curve. Even sure. though I've lived in this building many years, I was a seminarian here and I was an adjunct spiritual director. Sitting at this desk as rector is a big, different role, much different role. And well, so you led into my next question because, I mean, I'm sure most people, if you said to them, oh, he's, he's the rector of a college, university, of a seminary, they would just think, okay, head of the institution. But what are, what are a rector's specific duties? Good question. I mean, the rector really is in charge of the formation of the men under his care. He is in charge of, obviously, development and fundraising and making sure the, the, the building itself is taken care of, obviously. So those are the, the, the important things. For me, the most important thing is, as I would think for any rector, is to be a spiritual father to the seminarians, to the men in formation, to create an atmosphere of mutual respect and trust, and to um, to work with the faculty as brothers to really form these men with the heart of Jesus Christ. That is the number one. There's a lot of aspects to this job. Some I'm, sure. I'm learning on the job. <laughs> sure. I'm learning every day something new about the job and the position. However, the most important thing is to be a spiritual father to these men and to form them with the heart of Christ. And if you love your priesthood, that's going to be perceived by not only the young seminarians, but by anybody else who works here. I mean, they're going to know that from the chefs, and I understand the brand new beautiful kitchen. Yes. Um, yes, to those of us who know all of you and know the visitors. That's something, the love for the priesthood transmits itself. It, it does. really, it does. really does. And there's something about this place, you know it very well, um, and you know I have many visitors that come to Rome and bring them in the building, and they can they tell me there's, there's a sense of joy here, there's a real energy, there's a life here, and mm -hmm. that comes from the seminarians, but it's also the personality, those who work here, who have worked here for many years, some of them, uh, our staff, our faculty, so there is a great positive right. uh, spirit in this building, which is very helpful, and that alone helps the seminarians to see the joy of serving the church sure. and, and serving God. And so that I hope to bring what I learned in my 19 months as a pastor before coming here, I was pastor only 19 months, oh. and I loved it. It was a wonderful parish, and I still uh, miss the people, miss the parish. But in a sense, I'm a father here, but I'm also, in a sense, a pastor. And sure. so the people here are under my care, and I need to really pray and sacrifice and fast for them and, and be a good, good, good pastor for them as well. Well, you know, I love the moments that we get, those of us who love the college and try to 
come, you know, as often as we can. I love the moments when, for example, on Wednesdays when you have guests at lunch, mm -hmm. just to be to sit with, you know, four or five of the seminarians and where are you from? Tell me about your diocese um, and tell me about your vocation. The vocation stories are absolutely wonderful. Absolutely, I had a dinner one night with one, two, three, four, five of the seminarians. Oh, it was in 2014, and it was at the rector's dinner, and these were all involved in the music. And so um, <clears throat> I had posted a video which got like three million hits mm -hmm. of the entertainment. <laughs> and, um, and so anyway, the five of us had dinner at my house, six of us. And I went around the table and asked for their stories. I was just amazed, five entirely different and entirely beautiful stories. I mean, I'm not going to go into them today, but y you've got to be hearing that and, and be very uplifted. Absolutely. The stories are a mosaic of God's grace and God's action in the world. It's still He still calls men to the priesthood. Despite our society, uh, the din and, and all the noise and distractions, uh, that call is still getting through, and men are generously saying yes. Just yesterday, Joan, we sat, I sat with the new men. 28 new men are coming in this year. And uh, the faculty was there as well, and our orientation team from the second year. And I started off telling my story briefly about my vocation, my experience as a priest, uh, et cetera, how I got here and all that. And so I said, we're going to go around and just share our stories. Well, we had about an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and a half, kind of slotted for this time for 28 guys to tell their story. We ended up sitting for three hours with no a break, surprise. and we didn't get through all of them. <clears throat> we're almost through, but not all of them. So... It tells you, it told me a couple of things. First of all, the amazing action of God's mercy and grace in the world. Secondly, these men are very transparent and open. They want to be formed and they want to tell their story. And how God has brought them here, as you said, is diverse, diverse, diverse. And, uh, and, and how, they, how they all come from different paths. And, but it was a very beautiful morning. We were all uplifted. The first year men themselves were so happy to hear each other's story, yeah. to get to know each other. Mm -hmm. I was happy as the rector. And, of course, the faculty and the, and the orientation team, too, were, we were all very, very moved. And we talked about it all day long. And even last night we had a rooftop dinner to welcome them all and welcome the faculty back. And uh, we were all talking about what a grace-filled morning it was to hear these just tremendous stories about God's grace in their lives. Well, even listening to the other stories becomes an affirmation for the person listening of yes. their own choice. Yes. They could have made it for a different reason, yes. but still um, you had 28 people reaffirming each other too. That's right, exactly. You know, and right. telling their story. Well, that's all the time we have this week with Monsignor Tom Powers, rector of the North American College. But I'm betting you took a few notes, as I did, of some of his powerful remarks, especially when he answered the call this past spring to become the rector at NAC. My priesthood has been one of saying yes to the church. So beautiful. Tune in next week for part two of our conversation, when he looks back a bit at his own years as a seminarian under two rectors, now cardinals, Edwin O'Brien and Timothy Dolan. And then he talks about his dreams, hopes, his vision for the seminary. For more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.